So it's G here from the G and Coletti Show on our second episode of Based on a True Story. Today I got a very special guest, a very interesting fellow I met um, in Black Rock City, Nevada at Burning Man this year. And uh, we got to hang out a couple times since and the more I learn about him, the more interesting he gets. So today's going to share a bit of his story with us um, and I'm sure a bunch of you guys will be able to relate to some points. And then I think Matt sort of goes off in his own direction. That is really cool and inspiring as well. So um, start from the beginning, Matt. Tell us who you are and, you know, childhood, normal. Just start from the beginning. Cool, okay. Uh, so for me, I grew up a martial artist. And so as long as I can remember, I've been really curious about the power of the mind. So I'm watching all these kung fu movies and seeing these people break bricks and fly across. And obviously when you're a kid, you think you can do all these things. So I can remember a specific time where I'm outside in the backyard punching um, wood, punching like our fence. And my dad came out and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to, you know, do, do the thing. And he's like, man, that's hardwood, dummy. Like if there's a difference between hard <laughs> and, and soft wood. So, you know, I was always really curious about what I was capable of. Well, you mean those karate guys can't break any kind of wood? Some of them can, but hardwood's a lot tougher. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, just want to clarify. Okay. Yeah, so I was always just curious about what I was capable of. So I can remember in my teen years, I'm reading books on Zen, enlightenment, meditation, lucid dreaming, astral projection, and I'm trying these things and I have no uh, reference point. You know, most people are playing hockey and soccer and things like that. You know, we have a common ground, but I was really alone in that experience. And I can remember reading a book on Zen and enlightenment and just reading it like one of those, um, you know those pictures you take and you cross your eyes and then an image pops? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, it didn't pop, it was just confusion right so you know I'm reading these books I don't know what's going on um, and then I get into my early 20s and I leave home and I go snowboarding in Whistler because I want to be a snowboard bum so I do that and I continue to learn and continue to learn and then I was like I really you know I want to learn from the best so I planned my big travel and I basically went to Nepal and meditated with monks for five weeks well they train snowboarding too in Nepal uh, you can snowboard there, but no. Oh, oh so you want to go learn about the <laughs> no, meditation. Is, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to learn so, snowboarding yeah, for the yeah. monks. Like, That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, man. Uh, they'd probably be the best at it too, man, especially the Shaolin guys. Um, but So I wanted to just basically learn about enlightenment. Well, who who should have the key to So that? So let, let's backtrack a bit. So you went from reading some books in high school mm-hmm. to traveling to Nepal to learn from monks. Yeah. What caused like such a, a jump? Like, what caused you to really just get up and get out of here? You know, because I know a lot of people are at that stage where it's like they're reading the books, they're mm-hmm. feeling something different, they they want to get out, um, but a lot of people are very hesitant to say, oh, "I'm actually going to go." Never mind to like North America, like they go to Nepal and just figure it out. So, what was that process like for you? What what was the turning point where saying, "I got to just go"? Gotcha. Yeah. So for me, I when I want to learn something, I always want to learn from the best. Right? So I don't care what it is, you know, if, if you were the best at it, that's who I always want to learn from. So for, I've always wanted to travel, I've always wanted to explore the world. And when I was in Worcester, I wanted to snowboard the most, but I still had this side of me that I, I, I loved as well. So it came to a point where I had snowboarded enough, six years, I traveled the world as a professional snowboard coach. Um, and I did all that and I was ready to, you know, this, this mental game, this mindset, enlightenment, meditation, whatever it is, just it just kept like that was the main thing so I had to you know go out there so for snowboarding that one of the best places to snowboard in the world is in Whistler Canada mm-hmm. so where was the best place to learn about mindset meditation um, enlightenment than Nepal with monks 
So you got to a stage in the snowboarding where you felt like you wanted more, and the more was not on a physical level, it was more like on a spiritual quest. You felt like that's where the next adventure was. Yeah. You conquered the snowboard world to some degree, and you're mm -hmm. like, okay, I need to do something else. Okay, very cool. Um, so tell me about that. How did you get to Nepal? Did you, was it expensive? Did you, can, can anyone just go to Nepal and just say, go to the airport, take me there, and figure out when you got there? What was that process like? So first of all, I had to figure out money because um, it was expensive and um, yeah so my goal was to make money I wasn't sure how and my friend Phil threw up uh, an ad on, on Facebook which is who wants to make 10,000 bucks a month selling cards so I was like I want to make 10,000 bucks a month I've selling cards before so I call him and pretty much any sales job you cut it in half whatever they say cut it in half and I was like if I can make five grand a month I'm stoked so I went down there and gave it a shot and you know maybe not 10 grand but I, I made enough to travel and I remember I, I'd worked for five months and my boss, and I was one of the top salesmen, and my boss was like, if I offered you 10,000 bucks right now to work just December, would you stay? And I was like, no, man. I was like, I've got the money that I need to go, and I'm, and I'm out of here. And so that's how I saved the money. Do you feel like it's easier to make money when you have um, your goal like, and a real solid intention of what you need to achieve? Like you set, you set your mind on, I need this much money to get to, to go to Nepal. Do you feel like that helped you really earn the money a lot easier when people are just like, oh, I need money, I gotta like pay bills or I gotta like thing? Do you yeah. think there's a difference between like having an intention of what you're gonna do with that money that's in line with your highest values? Mm. Yeah, probably. I think so because that kind of came out of nowhere, and I was willing to do whatever it took. So it wasn't like, oh my god, I gotta go to work. It's like, yes, I get to go to work and I get to make money. And to remember too, if you're creating something. You know, there was probably different ways that I could have made it, just keeping the intention that I'm going to Nepal, I'm going to do all of these things. And that was just the start of a, a bigger trip too. Right? So you typed in a search, you know, best Shaolin monk to learn from in Nepal, and then some <laughs> dude's face popped off. You're like, that's the guy? Yeah, so, well, I looked at, uh, I've heard you could volunteer as well. So what was important to me as well is to give back in those communities. And I know a lot of them Absolutely. want to learn English. So when I got over there, there was a volunteer agency and I, I volunteered teaching a youth class. I think they're mm, between seven and ten, uh, teaching them English in the morning, which is way harder than I thought. So kudos to all the kindergarten teachers, grade one, super challenging. And then after that, I would go in the afternoon and have conversations with older monks about Buddhism, about meditation, about enlightenment, about all these different things. And so that's how I spent um, five weeks. And then I trekked Everest after that. And then. And then you just trekked Everest. Yeah, well, when I landed, the reason, yeah, so the reason why I trekked Everest is because my first day I get there, one of the, I'm in this sketchy back roads and I don't know what's going on. I kind of think I might be getting robbed because it's, I just land in Nepal, it's night, the, the roads are super sketchy and I just keep going down back road to back road. And uh, the guy's like, are you going to trek Everest? And I was like, I didn't even realize Everest was in Nepal, which I probably should have. Um, and I was like, I guess, like if I'm here right now, that's something that I'm going to do, yeah. Cool, yeah. cool. So you had this incredible uh, life-changing trip over five weeks. Yeah? Yeah, it was more than that. That was just stage one. Oh, that was just stage one. Okay, so yeah. then what happened next? Uh, so then I trek Everest and almost die, and that's a that's that's like a 20-minute story in itself. I can, Cole's notes, I can gloss me, over it. Give me the Cole's notes. How did you almost die? <laughs> okay, Cole's notes are, there's two peaks, okay? So I'm looking up Everest or Gokuri and I have a camera, like photography. Gokuri is more scenic, and so is uh, Annapurna. 
So I figured I, I figured out I could do Gokiri Peak where you can see Everest and the Himalayas. It's supposed to be so badass. Um, and then I can go down and then go do Everest. So as I hiked up five days to get to the peak of Gokiri, um, we, we get to it and the, our guide's like, you know, we can hike another hour or we can hit it up in the morning, right? And we're like, you know what? We're tired. We've been hiking forever and it's always been sunny in the morning. Let's do it in the morning. So we wait, we wake up and when we wake up in the morning, you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's just fogged in, soft, nothing. So that whole view, the whole five days up is now gone. It's just, just we do like the hike and I'm just so pissed. And that's when I learned a lot about like happiness and perspective and things like that because Expectation. I've, I've been so, I was so angry and I couldn't just get myself out of the anger, you know, I was like stuck in it. So it was a really good learning experience. I hiked down and then first day back up to, this was one day hike back down, three days back up to see Everest Base Camp. And so on the way up, it snows a little bit. Now day two, it snows, and I don't realize this at the time, a record breaking 40 something centimeters. And so we start to hike and we leave a little bit later. And um, basically it's knee and waist deep. And so we're trying to get through this valley and it's been about an hour and a half and we should be much farther, but I'm sweating profusely. And at, at first it's fun and funny. And then we get down and all my stuff is soaked. I'm drenched, I'm sweating, all this kind of thing. We stay there for like about 40 minutes, get some food. Then I start to walk out again, I'm still wet. But then now as I start to walk, the weather changes. Um, I'm still using a lot of energy. My body starts to shut down. Um, slowly, I don't realize what's happening, right? I'm just getting really fatigued, really, really fatigued. And I get to this pitch. And as I start to go, I'm using mental strength and all this kind of stuff. And I start to basically shut down more and more. And I get to the point where I hear myself tell myself so like as myself say just relax go to sleep it'll be fine and it was me <laughs> so that's what I was like and I was kind of like passing out on these rocks right and where I was you couldn't get a helicopter in to where I was if I would have fell asleep my body apparently would have just shut down I found it after so I was like oh shit and and then I basically had to hike another hour and a half and we just kind of went into like robot mode all the way out survival survival mode end up making it to the spot um, sleep all night, don't really get warm, make it to Everest the next day and just get hellied out of, out of there. I was like, I'm making it. And the only reason why I did it was because I wasn't going to miss two peaks. You know, no. there's no chance I was going to miss two peaks. So, so forced to that. So, so you then, saw the other peak and it was good? Saw the other peak, it was great. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I saw Everest, it was like, it's happening. One of the two ain't so yeah. bad. Yeah, Most exactly. people never get that far. Yeah. All right, so then what happens next? So then... Uh, MMA, so um, mixed martial arts. I wanted, I love martial arts. I want to see how good I was, and I and I trained with the best. I was training with uh, professional mixed martial arts fighters. I helped the best. So you just call these people and say, "Look, I want to train." Like, what was the secret? Did, like, how do you get in there? Like, people probably yeah, want to do this. They just don't know where to start. Yeah. So in Thailand, uh, it's a little bit more uh, inexpensive, right? And it's a really cool travel spot. So they have uh, Phuket Top Team out there is where I trained, and there's also there's a whole street of proper now MMA gyms, uh, Tiger Muay Thai's out there. So you have professionals coming out there and you're mixing it up with professional fighters in different disciplines. And so that's, for me, how you get better, especially in martial arts. You know, there's the, the side of it that I love, that's the real traditional martial art. And then there's also the functional side and I, I like both. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So how long did you do that for? So that was uh, five or six weeks also. Okay. And so after that was Cambodia. And that's where I started to uh, write the Zen Athlete book. So phase two. So it was originally. What was in Cambodia? What was the draw to Cambodia? Just party. 
Yeah. You had enough <laughs> so, learning. It's like okay, you need to let I'm loose not, a little just, bit. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm basically gonna enjoy myself, sit on the beach, do a little partying, and write the book. So yeah, so definitely some fun times there. And this was how long ago? So this is over what? This whole trip was. This was uh five and a half months or so. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah five five. And you went months. solo. Went solo. All right. Yeah. Any advice to potential solo travelers out there? Anything to watch out for? Anything to not be afraid of? What what's what's the the real scary stuff and the not? I think it's just being mindful. I think you're fine if you just keep your wits about you. I, the problem that people have is they just are not mindful. You know, they'll get so drunk and then they get robbed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, also, it's also a mindset. Number one, I'm a guy. It makes it easier. Number two, I'm a martial artist, so I'm not really afraid of much. Um, like, if a guy jumps me, it's gonna be frightening. But I at least can like punch him and run away or something. Yeah. You know, so that that really does help. Um, and then three, it's just your attitude. You know, I think that's the most important thing is your attitude. Somebody comes up and you want something, give it to them. Mm. Get fucked, money. Here yeah. you go. Probably don't have any. Yeah. But it's also you're you're putting that out in your space, right? So it's just being kind and loving and open and you know non-resistance. Like you can claim it on insurance. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Right. It's nothing's it's really too. a big deal. Yeah. Right, just yeah. and don't let it ruin your trip either. Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh my god, and they complain about it. Like, trip is shot. You flow, you flow here. You know, what I mean, this guy lives. You know, he's living on rice or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. good. You're like walking think... by with your Gucci satchel. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're so pissed. <laughs> oh no, I gotta buy another one. <laughs> Jeez, that cost me a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe you need to make different just, choices. I don't have a Gucci satchel. Match this either. Just use this example. <laughs> Gucci satchel. Yeah, do that. Cambodia. You want a magnet for something to take your. Um, um, okay, yeah. so you go to Cambodia, great time, yeah, party. So party, I write the book, that's the two things. I'm also meditating quite a bit. And then, then this is the highlight of my trip, something that I've wanted to do since childhood was to train with Shaolin monks, real, legit. So what was Shaolin. that like? It was amazing, it was great. It was Can they fly and stuff like that? Dude, yes. They, <laughs> <laughs> like, man, watching them at night, so they would train, we would have our training, but then they would train on their own, right? And so sometimes our real training. Holy fuck holy shit dude like when when people go and they're doing shows that was them it was watching ninjas it was watching 100 percent ninjas it was incredible they would do these kicks and they could go over like i'm not that tall like five eight but their stomach would be flat and read out like over my head and they would have all the weapons and you know like a ninja turtle donatello all that like the maxed out version it was unreal amazing it was unreal and so what type of stuff were they teaching you like so you had the option to do different disciplines, uh, Shaolin, uh, traditional Shaolin, Wing Chun, also, um, what is it? What is it? it's not Grasshopper, geez, uh, Mantis, sorry, Mantis Kung Fu, so that would be the forms. Um, Teach you how to break hardwood? So one of the masters there, Master Go, who I, who I interviewed, he could break stone, like a couple inches thick, uh, like maybe like an inch, I don't know exactly, but it was thick enough, freaking stone, with two fingers. And he could break thicker slabs over his head and every point on his body, like well, elbows and knees, and he would just show that as a demonstration of what's possible. So I end up interviewing him, right? Because this is the stuff that I want to know. MMA yeah. is great, like mixed martial arts, great. But I'm, if you get stuck in a cave and you need to break your way out, you need real you know, life <laughs> skills. <laughs> it's it's uh, what is it? Um, uh, Kill Bill. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? just, exactly. Just get yourself one out. inch punch, death punch. Yeah, so I want to know, that's like mind power. That to me is a martial artist. Like you've got a mixed martial artist, MMA, fighting is one thing, but this is like a, this is an integration of a higher level of superhuman power. Mm -hmm. And so I'm interviewing him, I'm like, how is this possible? Trick, what's the trick? And there's a translator, 
And she's she translates it to him, and he's like, no trick. He's like, and I was like, trick, tell me the trick, you know what I mean? Because I'm doing due diligence here. I want to make sure, because I know sometimes you can do tricks. Yeah. He's like, no trick, no trick. So a third time, just, you know, it's, just, it's a trick, you know what I mean? And he just starts slamming his fingers down on this open after, boom, and just goes years, like years of conditioning. And outside the academy, there's the proof, there's trees with dink holes, finger holes, from them standing and just doing this. Okay. So that's hard qigong. And then he said soft qigong for years. So he puts the, the qi and the energy into his body and then also conditions it through training. And that's all they do all day, every day. And that's when I had this really deep epiphany that being a superhuman couldn't be any more normal. It couldn't be, huh. it, it couldn't be any more practical. It's, it's like simple. we're in a deficiency right now because we do stupid shit all day. We watch TV <laughs> and like we don't exercise our natural abilities. So what if, you know, I dedicated my life? What if anybody dedicated their entire existence to one idea? That's what they did. And I asked him, I was like, can anybody do this? And he goes, yes, but most people are going to give up just before they get there. And he's like, and 99% of people are not cut out for this type of life. So the, in that, and I think in the same sense, a lot of people aren't cutting out for chasing their dreams. Now, what does that mean? means anybody can do it, but do you have the will to kind of move forward with the dedication it takes? Are your dreams even your dreams to begin with? 100%. Right? Like people have these dreams of things that they think they want to achieve because someone told them they saw it in a TV show or watched it, mm -hmm. but it probably doesn't even really, really resonate with them. You know, we talked about this in another quick thoughts. Like, why do you want that? Why do you really want that? Why is it something you really want? And that's what people need to figure out. Sorry. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's a great, great realization. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you you meet the the monk. He teaches you how to break something. Can you like? So I, I so I only tried one, and they had bricks, and they're not like our bricks. They're a little bit squishier. Like, <laughs> that's the trick, eh? If a if squishy a, bricks. It's not like squishy. It's just they're not as you know they're they're not as solid, but it's still a damn brick. Yeah. But I tried with all of my might and all of my chi, and I failed. <laughs> and he just went and just showed you like I just I, I tried with the palm didn't work but there was another guy there that I watched and like he like had it there and he just did three hits and he just did his form three hits and then it was just a puff of just bricks Exploded. yeah but you I I I was messing with him one day with the one inch punch and his hands were like these little meat mallets you know so but that's what he does he's this little you know they're masters like yeah. real 100% masters but what I was going to say about, you know, what you're, we're talking about the dreams, that's exactly why people are not doing those. And, and one of the things that I've helped people with lately is like this heart hypnosis medication. And it's basically taking people's consciousness into their hearts to ask these questions. Hmm. So what, what would you do if you had a trillion dollars and you had all the resources you could ever have? I'd buy more craft dinner. Yeah. No, that's if I had a million dollars. <laughs> There's a song like that. <laughs> I had a million. No. <laughs> that's, uh, oh my God. Bernie Yeah. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't think they say buy more crap dinner, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do, they do. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but that's right, Kaylee? Don't they say that? I don't know. Kaylee's here. Everyone, say hi to Kaylee. Hey, guys. <laughs> Are we good? Camera, good position? Yeah. Okay. Please. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, what would you do if you had a trillion dollars? What would you yeah. do if you had more money than. In the screen still. You yeah, look beautiful. Um, um, what would you do? Yeah, what would you do if you couldn't fail? What would you do if you had all the resources? What would you do if that were, you know, you're going to get paid $50,000 a month, every month, and forever. How do you spend your time? Hmm. 
You know, so we're we're taking out. Once you money. get bored of all that shit, you can't buy right now, and you're gonna yeah. buy it all, and you're gonna throw it all out, and then you're gonna be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people get lost that that do make that much money because they just want to make more. Like, oh, now I got a million, I got to make a trillion. Then when I get there, I'll be happy. I'll conquer this, or I'll conquer that. I'll mm-hmm. conquer the world. And... and I think part of it, where it comes from fundamentally, is that you know, because of. Um, just evolution we're hardwired for safety right we're hardwired to basically not die right so how now that happens is we we get money to that pays for food so we don't die mm-hmm. so money is our security so that's why there can never be enough because if you have a million what if you lose that million then where will you get food yeah. right that's the underlying primal factor yeah. but then you can get lost with all kinds of bullshit on yeah. the way yeah. um, but that's that primal need especially their family right you got kids you got to feed them right so how can I be following my heart but then you know you can only follow your heart so much because then that's not practical that's not gonna get money now I can't get food mm-hmm. so it's balance mess- you gotta find a good balance yeah. yeah so start looking so what's the one thing you've decided now to focus on to master what's your two finger what's Matt doing now? <laughs> is that where we're at we're at that part of the story now yeah, so I, it's three. It's three specific creations. So the first is is the Zen Athlete Intention, and that's a, a book program. But the intention is to uh, popularize the mental game of sport. And what I mean by that is just switching how we teach sport in youth organizations and schools. So in martial arts, it's about the development of mind, body, spirit. Being able to kick someone's ass is a byproduct. So there's nothing that, that prevents learning hockey from learning about focus, learning about meditation, self-discipline, um, all these amazing things we learn from martial arts that's just not you know, taught anywhere else. It's just a shift in perspective. So if we can teach these basics in schools, it's gonna have a massive impact. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing mindfulness into each sport. There's no reason why those elements can't be taught in every sport. Yeah. So, so that's one. Uh, two is my own podcast, and that's where I want to interview and have conversations like this with the most conscious, intelligent, wise, developed, kind people of service to humanity. Katie Brown, she's your next guest. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, share their stories. Talk about things that matter and yeah. just spread that out. You know, holy, you're the master at this. How, how did you get there? And you, know? and you know what I find about most of these people? They all start off just a normal, normal person, and one day the switch went off to like, I focus on one thing and just be the best at that because I mm. love it. Mm. And they become great at it. And they become mm. Matt Belair is the next, you know, superstar or like Wim Hof or like, mm. you know, they use their life experiences to their advantage. Instead of being a victim of things that happen to them and shutting down, they're like, I got through this, you know, like I got through this difficult, shitty experience and now I've learned these things from it. So now I'm going to use it to my advantage and, you know, find out what I'm passionate about and go mm. after it. Mm-hmm. And living proof right here. Right here, Kaylee yeah. Brown too. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the the, the real like exploration of self, not mm-hmm. other. Right, we're watching other people, but we're we're taking it in. So mm-hmm. it's just understanding who the heck we are. Yeah, more and more and more and more. Yeah. And as we do that, then we become the example of us that allows other people to be the example of who they are. Mm-hmm. And everybody is perfect as they are. And the more yeah. you can connect to that, create an environment where people can be themselves. You know, like that's mm-hmm. that's the key. You know. Mm-hmm. When you start feeding yourself, even allow the people around it to be in that environment where you bring out who they are, mm-hmm. you know, let them, you know, be themselves. That's what we try to do around here. We do these events now. And mm-hmm. Try to create a space where it's like, just be yourself, you know, let that come out a little bit more. Don't be afraid of judgment. Don't be afraid of what your parents told you you're supposed to be or what, you know, school taught you what you're supposed to be. It's like, you are who you are, man. Let it out a bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, and I've been to your event. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah you had fun? It. Yeah, it's a really great time. Awesome. Thanks. So there's one more. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah three. No, three. So this is something uh, that I just stumbled across trying to help a friend, but it is basically that, that heart hypnosis, the heart journey um, experience because I... You know, I was mentored by Michael Lozier, who wrote The Law of Attraction. Amazing book, he taught me how to do three-hour seminars, weekend seminars, master the Law of Attraction based on NLP, all practical. If you think Law of Attraction is bullshit, like, I, I trust, believe it. Yeah, even if you didn't, I, yeah. yeah, even if you didn't, by you listening to me for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you're like, that makes sense. You could stay up all three, like, that makes sense. So far, everything you said makes sense. I don't see yeah, why right, that right, wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the skeptic, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but my thing was, is like, okay, it's all well and good that you can create your reality, but what the heck do you want to create? There's no, there's no module here that shows us what we want to create, and I think that that's the fundamental thing. It's like, you know, our life in a wheel, if it's 360 degrees, most people don't know if they're going north, east, south, or west. And when you can find your specific coordination, that's like your, your path home and that's your purpose and your meaning and your connection to spirit. So if you start off with between 320 degrees to 360 degrees, you can narrow it down to 330 to 355, then to 341.21. That's your path walking home and you know it. And so the best way that I've seen to help people really find that um, because there's things like the passion test, with his, which is great, but it's all in the mind. It's all in that level of consciousness. So when I go through this guided process, kind of hypnotize you into your heart, then your heart speaks about what you would create in this infinite space as a human. And, you know, of the 20 some people have done it now, I've had 14 people cry. One pissed himself. I love crying. Can I, can I try? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One pissed himself from a healing and one popped out of their body. And, and the other eight died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not for the weary. Yeah, not for the weary. Um, no but, one died. Yeah. Just kidding. And, <laughs> yeah. Disclaimer. Yeah, so, yeah, well, the parts that, you know, I think in a sense. Parts of you die? Yeah, yeah. maybe. Maybe. So, there's been interesting, it's been really interesting because. Okay, I want to try it. I'm you, curious now. You see, you see the commonalities in humans. And so, no, when I say you can have anything, nobody's listing off cars. Not one person has done that yeah. yet. They yeah. want to be around people. They want to live more simply. A lot of them have this massive yeah. process of letting go. Yeah. And they're in it, and it's like you're getting blindsided by a truck. You're like, oh, I already knew this. Oh, my God. But they know I it think, deeper I think, now. Yeah, I think at a very deep level, most people just want that connection, that community. And, and a lot of them don't know it because they're, they're chasing these false dreams. Mm. Um, but deep down, people need that community, that connection. I think a lot of people that have the money got there by destroying all the relationships and then trying to fill in the voids with all these things, right? Because that's yeah. all they can do. And they go, oh, well, you like me? I got a Ferrari, right? Mm -hmm. It creates that short-lived connection. But yeah, I think I, I can see how that, that happens. Yeah. And it's, and it's, so all like hypnosis is or meditation is, is in, in hypnosis, they call it the critical factor. So you say, hey, Matt, you're the best snowboarder on the planet. And then I think, oh, well, there's so-and-so and so. I'm like, hey, Giovanni, you know, this is going to, you know, whatever, and then you're gonna think about how you think that. That's the critical factor is your consciousness. So through a state of meditation or hypnosis, you get past that into the deeper parts of your mind to experience a different level of awareness. So you're looking at yourself through a different scope and a different intention. And they do some other things in there that are kind of nice for the experience, mm -hmm. but you're able to see it. So you know, you have like that realization that that's deeper, right? Somebody yeah. can tell you to eat your vegetables. Um, but you have an experience one time, you're like, oh my God, yeah. I just needed to eat vegetables and I would have felt better, you know, or whatever yeah. it is, right? You just have this deeper level of understanding. So then just like um, sacred medicines, like ayahuasca or things like that, or an experience or a seminar, 
you need to integrate that information, right? But you see it so clearly. Now you have the opportunity to integrate because mm. we want the journey, we want the experience, we want that hours of day. So we earned it and we know the people that we see have also earned it. There are no shortcuts in the, in the real game, in the real ascension, enlightenment, self-development there's no shortcuts yeah. and you're the one who has to go oh fuck and you jump all in and then yeah. you jump all in and you jump all in and you know you did that and you know nobody yeah. gets into that level of game without doing the exact yeah. same thing yeah very personal process well so this is matt's true story you know uh regular guy or not so regular guy <laughs> that just started going on his own path and just figuring out and just followed um just followed his intuition what i would say is most he was drawn to go to nepal and he went to nepal and there's something there and i think that people should tap into their intuition and when they feel drawn to try something or change something quit your job i never told you to quit your job but if you feel like you want to quit your job maybe there's something there right um so just in closing um before we tell people where to find you what's the one simplest life lesson that you think people need to know or something that you just in a nutshell like that people can take away from your story um, yeah, uh, I guess I think the most fundamental thing of all is just to love yourself, mm-hmm. just to be as loving and love kind yourself. to yourself and, and listen to yourself, loving mm-hmm. and kind to yourself. Because most people, I, I train extreme sports athletes as well and, and high level athletes, everybody kicks themselves in the yeah. nuts so hard. Yeah. Everyone's so hard on themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're good enough now, you're worthy now, you're, you're growing. You know what I mean? You don't just walk into mastery, just be really kind and easy on yourself. Uh, follow your intuition, follow your gut, do the things that you know that you should be doing that feel right to you and just go that way and then just allow everybody else to do whatever the heck they want because it's none of your darn business. You know what I mean? Let them walk their own path. So that's a good nutshell, I think. Well, yeah, thanks for hanging out today. If you want to check out Matt, he's got a podcast, mattbelair.com, M-A-T-T-B-E-L-A-I-R. Oh, like yeah, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air or not sell the same yeah, yeah, yeah it is, is the same no, but no hyphen no hyphen yeah. check him out uh, we'll put some links in the podcast notes as well and uh, his book's coming out zenathlete.com is that up in the morning yeah, yeah. zenathlete.com and uh, yeah that's it signing off thanks for coming in brother yeah buddy thanks for having me good to see you yeah you too man